Howdy gamers, got some exciting news for you all. Next Friday, January 29th, we are going to be finally celebrating the long since past 100 patron Patreon goal. And so we are going to be recording a live episode with special guest, collaborator, Hot Pepper Gaming alumni, and my mortal enemy, Vernon Shaw. Patrons of all tiers get exclusive access to this live stream as it airs on January 29th at 4 p.m. Pacific. So you'll be able to ask questions in chat and it should be a great time. But non-patrons, don't fret. We still love you, just a little bit less. The VOD will go up on YouTube and the episode will go up on our public feeds on February 5th. So patrons, keep your eyes peeled for the live stream link in the next couple of days. And we will see you all at 4 p.m. Pacific, January 29th with Vernon Shaw. And hopefully you. Please enjoy the episode, you beautiful bastards. Layton, you joined us just as we were discussing Daniel Day Kim. Who? Who? <laughs> you don't know who Daniel Day Kim is? No. He's a pretty prominent actor. You've definitely seen him in stuff. Is he Korean? Yeah, he's Korean-American. Oh, oh, I recognize this guy. Yeah. Lost, Hawaii Five-0. I just remember seeing him as like a character actor in a ton of stuff, and then he was in Lost. How did he uh, come up? I played tennis competitively in high school, and I played his son, and I saw him at the tennis courts one time. Did you kick his son's ass? <laughs> no, it was vice versa, unfortunately. <laughs> but I almost did hit his wife, though. With a tennis ball or with a tennis racket? With a ball. Okay, good. Like, it flung off my racket and, like, almost hit her <laughs> in the fucking bleachers. Oh, no. So, if you're listening, Daniel J. Kim, sorry, I almost hit your wife. His wife's name is Mia, so please apologize to her by name. Mia, I apologize. I almost hit you over 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's a faithful listener of the podcast. She'll get the message. <laughs> yeah. Leighton, I was talking to my friend Gino the other day, mm -hmm. and he saw that you followed him on Instagram, and he was like, who the fuck is butt champs? <laughs> <laughs> what an excellent question indeed. Who the fuck is butt champs? <laughs> People are constantly like, where did that username come from? It's like, folks, I regret to inform you. I don't know. You don't know? It came to me in a vision. Yeah. <laughs> There's no further elaboration. I don't understand why people are so confused about the concept of butt champs. Well, I think it's interesting. Whenever anyone has a username that seems completely divorced from their real name, mm -hmm. it's just its own thing. It's always a question like, why that? Right? Yeah. yeah. Like Norman Reedus is big bald head. Phoebe Bridgers is fake nudes, which actually feels pretty appropriate to her persona. There's, oh my God, what's her name? Claire... Some comedian, I can't remember her name, who's at Baby's First Gun. <laughs> <laughs> I fuck with that, yeah. Claire O'Kane, that's her name. I have an inkling of where Butt Champs came from, but now I feel like I must maintain the mystique, and I refuse to answer now. Oh. Wait, so was your friend the guy whose art you sent me? Yeah. He was like, oh yeah, I almost removed her from my follow list, but then I realized who she was. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh my god. It makes me seem like a fucking porn bot. This is tragic. Then I realized who she was. That's a nice thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> a 
I was going to remove you, but you seem chill. Yeah. <laughs> I have multiple times tried to get verified on Instagram, but apparently I don't exist. So what the fuck, Instagram? It's so mysterious how they choose people to verify versus not. I've never understood it. The one thing I know is that they have different standards depending on how you're classified. So like, it's not just followers, obviously, because you have like journalists with a thousand followers who are verified and then some people with like a hundred thousand who aren't. But I do remember hearing when I was talking to someone at one of the social places when I was running Game Grump Social, they were like, for YouTubers or digital, you know, influencers or whatever you want to call them, you need to have way more followers than if you're like a journalist where they basically don't take that into account at all. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. You know, when I applied for Twitter verification, that one actually went through quick, but that was like 2017 maybe. Mm -hmm. But like when I was doing the Instagram thing to prove who I was, it's always just like, you guys want to see any of the various articles or, you know, Forbes 30 under 30 or the interviewed by the BBC, like, you know, I'm here. Check me out. Yeah. Do you remember that thing a few years ago where they got hacked and suddenly if you like filled out some form, they would insta verify you? Sounds tight. Yeah. A bunch of people got temporarily verified. I could be wrong about this, but someone like hacked something and it was just like, do this thing and you'll get verified. And they did it and then immediately rescinded it. Unless Ah, uh, yes. I'm making that up. I guess people on Twitter, there's the cast of liberal blue checks, <laughs> <laughs> which is exciting. I mean, much like Forbes 30 under 30 just being, you get added to a spam email list and then everyone on Twitter is like, we should stop evaluating people based on their age and success. And I'm like, yes, I agree, but we do this every year. You get verified and what does this do for you? You get a blue check. You get a special blue check to show everyone you're special. You don't get anything else. You know what it does for me, actually, besides just validate bad choices I've made previously, is because I have pretty much all notifications turned off. Yeah. It, it enables me to see a subset of notifications right. much, much more easily. And every once in a while, it's like X person followed you. And if they're verified, it's easier to see it. So that is the only useful thing that has come of it is it makes those like followed by verified person things easier to see. Otherwise, it's pointless. Yeah, because how else am I going to have self-esteem if I don't know that Bill Mosley, who portrayed Chop Top in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, follows me? Like, <clears throat> how else am I going to know? You know, there are these like mystery accounts where you're like, what is this person doing that they have 800,000 followers? Like, there's nothing in the bio. You can't tell what they even do for a living. There's no website. It's always some like generic white guy and you're like, what the fuck is this person even doing? And there were a bunch of those accounts when I and NSP and other, you know, and Starbomb or whatever first got verified that were clearly just following people to try to get the follow backs. And if you didn't do anything, would unfollow and then refollow every couple of weeks. Yep. Ugh. For a while, I'm not sure if he does it anymore, but like that was a big one for Andrew WK. I feel like everyone I knew was followed by Andrew WK. Yes. Oh, yeah. I get that from Little B. Who? Oh, yes. Yeah. Base God. Oh, Little B, the base God. Sorry. You didn't give his full title. So I didn't know which Little B you were talking about. Oh, excuse me. Yes, Little B, the base God. He follows me on Twitter, but he also follows like 1.2 million other people. Wow. As well. Twitter is intolerable enough, you know, following like 900 people or whatever. That just seems like it would be the howls of the void. Talk to me about Lil B. What's his deal? Well, according to his Twitter bio... I've got it in front of me. I like the idea of the segment, what's their deal? <laughs> yes. That's a great idea. Does not follow me, first of all. 
<laughs> Mogul, first rapper ever to write and publish a book at 19. That's very specific. <laughs> it doesn't say 19 or younger, by the way. It just says at 19. So take that as you will. Film score, comma, composer, producer. Those are separated by commas. And then there's a bunch of slashes. Director slash photo slash branding slash marketing slash historical online figure hashtag based. Yes. Historical online figure. I also am pleased to inform you all the book that he wrote is called Taken Over by Imposing the Positive. My personal rap to you. Okay. So what's his deal? No idea. Isn't he the guy who had like went viral for his song about like cooking? Okay. Layton. I don't know what his deal is. Why are you asking me? I'm going to sound like a very old person when I see this. Is he the guy who was known for saying swag all the time? Brian, that was you. <laughs> who was the rapper that had the Ellen DeGeneres song? Was that him? Yes, you're right. Ellen DeGeneres, swag, Ellen DeGeneres, swag, right? And he is the guy who has a song that goes like, Bieber, Bieber, I think so. Seemingly, look, I haven't listened to a lot of his stuff. I don't want to say anything too derogatory about him, but it sounds like he just shits out bad raps every 30 seconds. <laughs> Is that accurate? Yeah, I would say so. His height was like the 2010s. The Lil B heads are going to come for us now. Please. Yeah, what's his fan base like? Well, looking at his Twitter followers, Bernie Sanders. Wait, wait, wait. Bernie Sanders follows Lil B the bass god? Yes, 100%. <laughs> Wow. Good for him. Bernie Sanders, swag Bernie <laughs> Sanders, swag. Dude, back in January of 2021, if Lil B had just helped us out and dropped that hit, we could have done it, boys. He retweets a lot of people, and I don't understand what any of them are talking about. One of them just said Kakarot. <laughs> <laughs> Little B is a whole sweetie. Heart, 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 cupcake emoji. Here's a recent tweet from earlier today. Take time to appreciate your life. Send me a message or DM what you do to appreciate living. And then he signed his tweet, Dash Lil B. Oh, I really like people who sign their tweets. It's intensely charming. I think it's very cute. Really throws you back to the forum days. Like, I think we should have forum siggies on Twitter now. Mm -hmm. So you can do a little ASCII art on there. You can do some little tildes and asterisks and be like, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yes, <laughs> that's great. This is kind of charming. He actually comes across as very sweet on his Twitter. When I was a child on the internet, given free access, I uh, was really big into Webkins. Uh, you guys familiar with Webkins? Wetkins? W-E-T? No, I wish. Webkins? Oh, no, I don't know what that is. It was basically this extremely smart grift where it was a toy company who made stuffed animals, but each animal came with a little code that if you signed up for Webkins, the website, you could register the code, and then it was like a sim... It probably still exists, but it was a sim style. Like, you have your house, you put your pets in, you play games, and you can do trivia shit. But there was a forum, I think it was Webkins Insider, I want to say. But I was like <laughs> seven or eight, just popping along, made an account. I ran like a Siggy shop on Webkins. <laughs> <laughs> so people would send me pictures of their like shitty pet. You ran the Siggy shop on the Webkins forum? Yes. And I would draw them in MS Paint and then throw them in a, um, you know, like a blingy text generator that would throw the sparkles on it. Wow. I did very well. I had so many Webkins. And then the kids in my class would be like, I know somebody whose Webkins died. And I'd be like, no, my Webkins are going <laughs> to die. They're still going. This is still a thing. Wow. I mean, it was very much in the same era of like Club Penguin, but at least Club Penguin was free. 
the webkin site looks like dog shit. <laughs> it's so like, are you guys seeing this? Like, it's so artifact. Ew. Oh wow, that's awful. This has not been updated in years. <laughs> webkin sounds like a fake website that would be in a movie. This is a money laundering scheme. But yeah, like Club Penguin, Neopets, and Webkins were like the trifecta of, oh, I'm going to get home from school and fuck around and ask somebody to be my girlfriend on Club Penguin. Sounds about right. I'm reading their privacy statement. In addition to the policy above, EU players may also choose to delete their accounts at any time. To delete your Webkins.com account, please complete the following steps. Number one, log into your Webkins account at Webkins.com. Number two, click on the options menu in the top right of the interface. Number three, click on the delete account option. Number four, you will be prompted to confirm your decision. Number five, if you agree to this decision, you will be logged out and your account deleted. And number six, note, this decision is permanent. It cannot be reversed once completed. Wow, that's Webkin's permadeath. Can they really die? That was really a thing that happened, Leighton? Or was that just a rumor you heard in, when you were a kid? Yeah, totally. I think the first panic attack I ever had was because I found out that if your Tamagotchi doesn't get married or whatever, it'll die. <laughs> I was really emotionally attached to my Tamagotchi. By the way, those things are so fucking expensive now. They're like, you can search for vintage ones and they're like upwards of $40. Fuck. No, thank you. Did you miss the Tamagotchi craze of the late 90s, early 2000s? Take a guess whether I did or not. You were deep in it. You own so many Tamagotchis and they're all starving because you haven't fed them in years. That's correct. <laughs> On purpose. I put them in kind of a <laughs> saw situation. <laughs> I, I do love the idea of Tamagotchi saw. Yes. Let's play a game. Yes, please. <laughs> they had a series of like really cute Nintendo DS tie-in games, a Tamagotchi corner shop. Like the art style is so appealing. Those character designs are uh, top tier. Just like little green dude who is only a mouth. Hell yeah, fuck me up. <laughs> I feel like a very early influence on my artistic sensibilities as well as, you know, a, a cornerstone of a lifetime of panic attacks. <laughs> so you have to carry this fucking thing around with you? Wow. It's on a keychain. It's what it's for. Yeah, this seems like a lot of work. So everybody, this week, we're recording this on Monday the 18th. This will come out, I had to count, Friday the 22nd, which means that in between now and when this episode occurs, we will have a brand new president and hopefully not a lot of insanity around the inauguration. But we didn't book a non-family guest this week, just in case some real shit goes down. Yeah. I don't know about you folks for the past couple of weeks, but it always seems that the big crazy news drops when I'm in the middle of a work thing and on a call. And then like January 6th, we just started a writing call. And then I checked Twitter idly when I was supposed to be working. And then I just went, oh. <laughs> and then Vernon was like, what? Oh. And uh, then it was just like, okay, so we're just going to anxiously watch CNN for the rest of the day, huh? Yeah. Yep. So we figured we didn't want that to happen with an unsuspecting guest on our silly podcast. So here we are, family reunion. Deal with it. <laughs> First Jarek episode of the new year. Hey, yo. Yeah. Yeah, so the point is, if you are new to this, and you're probably not, but if you are, we are joined today by our wonderful producer, Jarek Centeno. Hi, Jarek. Hello. Hi, it is me, Jarek Centeno. I run the social media accounts, too, so I've been putting my little dash name as well. Yeah. Yeah, this is a new thing, and you're doing a great job. You're tearing it up. Thanks. I don't think I can ever live up to the Keanu Reeves knock-knock thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get you there. We'll get you there. Yeah, that was a high point of social media in general, not just late night social media. 
that fucking thing took me two hours to make with the little like names. <laughs> it's so funny. How do the teens on TikTok do it? I don't understand the patience, the sheer patience. Okay. Can you guys explain to me, how do you make a TikTok? Like I refuse to sign up for it. What do you mean you made a TikTok for the NPR thing? That's a good point, Leighton. Yes, thank you. But I forgot how to do it since then, since I so busily humped my backyard <laughs> while doing the WAP yeah. dance. Yeah, understandable. I don't know. You go on TikTok and you make a TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. Do you have to do it in the app or can you do it and upload it? You can upload it, right? You can probably upload it, but you do it in the app. I love how this episode so far have been us attempting to explain things none of us know anything about. <laughs> we should hit some other stops. What's something else none of us know about? Shouldn't you, demographically speaking, <laughs> aren't the two of you... Are you in the TikTok demographic or is that younger than you? Is it more teenagery? I think me and Lee are at the cutoff point. Yeah, I'll watch TikToks. I got the app for a while and I scrolled through it and it instilled a strong sense of existential dread and that's what all the other ones do and I figured I didn't need another one Yeah. on top of that. I also hate videos. I don't know if this is just me, but I fucking hate when I look something up and it's like, well, will you watch a video about it? No, I want to read it. Fuck you. Oh, number one pet peeve is like, how do I do this on Photoshop? And rather than a set of instructions, it's a 20-minute video. Like, no, I just want to read, do this, then do this, then do this. That's what I want to see. Yeah. I don't want to be pausing it and then have to scrub through the like, hey, guys, today we're sponsored by Audible. I'm going to be talking about my favorite book, uh, Cat in the Hat. You can rent the Cat in the Hat on Audible and uh, yeah. fucking, I don't know, the Macho Man Randy Savage will read it to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, rest in peace. Uh, he's dead, right? I feel like he must be. Mandela effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Macho Man Randy Savage effect. Uh, yeah, he died in 2011. Oh. You know who else died that I feel like not a lot of people know is the guy who used to do all the fucking infomercials? Oh, Billy Mays, yeah. Billy Mays. I don't know why, but me and my friends loved Billy Mays. Because he was great. He died three days after Michael Jackson. The Chad Billy Mays in the version ShamWow guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So bringing up a dead person reading a children's book, what's your dream cast of pairing of narrator for an audiobook and the book? What would you want? Like, what's your dream audiobook reading? Oh. This is a very good question. That doesn't exist. It's Alec Baldwin reading the user's manual to a 2009 MacBook. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Off the bat, I just want to do, I'm on a big Keanu Reeves kick now. Dude, I'm with you. Keanu Reeves' Thirst Quest. Keanu Reeves reading The Wonderful Stories of Henry Sugar and Six More by Roald Dahl. Oh, wow. That's a good choice. That sounds like a delight. That was like one of my favorite books growing up as a kid. And I'm very pissed because I gave it to that girl I was dating when I was in high school when I moved. <laughs> if you're listening, I want it back. She probably doesn't listen, but I would love that book back. Overnight that shit. The library of Jarek has banned you. <laughs> Uh, what would yours be, Layton? I've always wanted like Javier Bardem or Giancarlo Esposito because they just have such pleasant voices. May I correct you? Please. I'm not fucking with you on this. His last name is pronounced Esposito. Esposito. Oh, man. <laughs> One of his parents is Italian. His name is pronounced Giancarlo Esposito. And I'm not kidding. Oh, okay. Thank you. Jerk, I believe you had some segment ideas you were going to run by us. Oh, Yes. We're now in Jarek's Bit Corner, and we have a theme for that. Jarek Bit Corner. Yay. Jarek Bit Corner. Uh. One of my favorite ones that I wrote is 
bad reviews. Fuck you. <laughs> I was going through like the Apple podcast reviews and there were like one or two. Of this podcast. Of this podcast, yes. And it's a play off of, I don't know what Jay and Silent Bob movie it is, but it's in the end where they have all this money and then they go to everybody's house who like leaves a bad comment on like whatever video. Oh, that's Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yes, yes. And then they go to everybody's house and like beat them up. Um, obviously, we wouldn't go and beat up people, but we would just berate them based off of their username or whatever name they left. So I've seen many, not all, but many Kevin Smith movies. Yeah. Many of them in the theaters. You know, I'm a Jersey guy. I love many things about Kevin Smith movies. I recently watched the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, I believe is the most recent. And it was maybe one of the worst things I have ever seen. It was shockingly bad. I mean, shockingly bad. It's so indulgent. And I like a lot about what Kevin Smith wants to do, but I feel like, shouldn't he be better at making movies at this point? <laughs> right? I think that's maybe the most devastating thing you could possibly say about a filmmaker. Shouldn't they be better at this by now? Like, I loved Clerks at the time. I think I, I would still like it if I saw it now. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, but it just feels like now he's just preaching to the choir. He has this large group of fanboys. I'm assuming his fan base is predominantly white guys, which I think has to be true. And it was badly acted. It was badly written. It was like half an hour too long. And I was so on board for it, too. And I really, really didn't like it. He stars in it with his daughter, or his daughter is really the protagonist with Jane Silent Bob. And there's just so much you want to like about it, but it's, oh, it was a really rough watch, and I was so bummed. Oh, man. He also did, like, Clerks and shit, right? Yeah, so he did Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy. The one with Lily Rose Depp and Yoga Hosers, was it? Oh, yeah, I've never seen that. Green Hornet? Did he do Green Hornet? This is comics. Oh, yeah. It makes sense for him to have written comics. He directed Cop Out, which was a Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan. Whatever happened to Tracy Morgan, anyways? Well, he got into that bad car accident. Oh, oh yeah. I think he really got fucked up in an accident. I think he's still performing. Yeah, for me, he's inextricably connected with uh, 30 Rock because he's so fucking good in it. Yeah, for me, it was it was SNL and then 30 Rock. Yeah, he was in the new Scooby-Doo movie, Scoob. There was a new Scooby-Doo movie? Yeah, it came out this summer. Was Matthew Lillard in it? Because that's all I care about. He was not, as far as I can tell. Okay, then this is absolutely useless to me. He's one of those character actors who's just, what a delight. Because of your recommendation, Leighton, I now follow him on Twitter, and he's great on Twitter. Right? That's another, like, wholesome Twitter presence. And he's unabashedly liberal and yep. in a good and not annoying way. Yeah. Yeah. So circling back around to bad reviews, fuck you. When you first said it, what came to mind was reading one-star reviews for like objectively good things on like IMDb. Like, yes. Like unassailably good movies. Yes. People giving one star to them. Like let's say a David Lynch movie or something. I like that. Well, I want to see what our bad reviews are. I don't see an easy way of seeing this. Uh, yeah, because there's almost none of them because this is such a good show as evidenced by 36 minutes of <laughs> all of us not knowing what we're talking about. Oh, this one is from like last week. Oh, shit. We got a new one? January 8th. I'm on Apple Podcasts looking at our reviews. Oh, for us? Yeah. This show is okay. <laughs> I love both hosts. Yay. 
But as a full-time listener, something about the show has changed. I'm unfunny, and I think it means it's, but they say, I'm unfunny, and the jokes and interviews no longer interest me or hold my attention. I'm still listening passively from the sidelines, but the show kind of feels like the same thing each episode. Perfect fit for others, but for this boy, it's a sweater I've only worn twice in a closet of clothes I love to wear. I mean, okay, sure. That's a respectable negative review, and I I respect it. I'm not going to dunk on this person. I like that last line. That's a good little uh, metaphor there. That's fair, saying it's not for me. I mean, the same thing over and over I might take issue with, but whatever. Like, you're entitled to your opinion. This one is much better. It's from uh, a year ago, and it just says, not very good. One star. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one that stood out in my mind. Not very good. A month in. I love it. I think that was a review of our first episode, maybe. Bad review, fuck you, is, uh, I don't know about this bit. It seems like people really like this show, and that's great. Was this a roundabout humble brag? Yeah. Let me see if I can find some bad NSP reviews. All right, this is a review of our album, NSFW. It's one star. The review is entitled OSFI, and then in parentheses, the person writes, only safe for idiots. (laughs) It's not even the outrageously bad and over-sexualized lyrics that are so offensive, but the fact that the music sounds like it comes straight from a 1980s cartoon theme. Uh, yeah, that's the point. (laughs) Does everything have to be turned into something dirty to try to get a laugh? NSP is not humorous, entertaining, or original in any way. This album is like the extreme discomfort of brain freeze and overly sensitive teeth while eating some cheap ice cream from a fast food joint. I'm guessing fans must be 12-year-old boys, guys that still have the intellect of 12-year-old boys, or hipsters (laughs) that think it's sarcastically cool to like something so lame. Wow. Only safe for idiots is, I gotta hand it to them. That's pretty great. Yeah. I would look up bad reviews of Dream Daddy, but I have seen enough of those for my entire lifetime. I could read you guys the 18-page open letter from the community that we got a long time ago that I won't read. I was going through my uh, Twitter DMs with Vernon from 2017, right after the game came out, and what a portal into abject anxiety and misery. <laughs> oh, I bet. It's just like, hey, tomorrow will be better. 24 hours later, I just woke up to a lot of people yelling at me. <laughs> that must be awful. There's bad reviews and there's people getting mad about stuff. Well, people getting mad at you personally. Yes. It's fun. Let's assassinate my character while we're at it. Let's go. (laughs) I really like when people give a bad review and everything they say is essentially positive. Or like the intended effect of the art. Yeah. Like it sounds like 1980s cartoon theme. Yeah. Kind of what we were going for. (laughs) All I'm really learning from this is that fans are generally really kind and awesome. Okay, what if Bad Review Fuck You is us writing one-star reviews for our own shit? Oh. Not about each other, but about ourselves. Yeah, Yeah. I could do that. All right, I'll write a one-star review of myself. I feel like within the context of the show, it'd be better because it's more what people hear. Yeah, they don't know about the vehicular manslaughter and whatnot. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to be like one-star for Brian, bad at sex or whatever, you know, like... (laughs) Things that are true, but, you know, they don't need to know. Yeah, but nobody's business, but mine (laughs) and my very disappointed wife's. (laughs) Let's see. One star review of Brian Wacked by Brian Wacked. Has annoying voice. Makes the same dad jokes over and over while speaking too slowly and nasally. Can't remember what stories he told and constantly repeats them. What's poppin' bit 
getting increasingly long and exhibiting diminishing returns in a dramatic fashion. Uh, also, enough stories about Audrey, please. We, we get it. She's cute. <laughs> Absolutely fucking scathing. I love that. Layton. One star review for Layton on Layton Night. Despite having her name in the name of the podcast, dear God, do I want it to simply be Night with Brian Wecht. Brian, amazing, love his work. Layton, who the fuck is that? All I know about her is she talks about Taco Bell and various disgusting old men that she performatively sexualizes for comedy. Uh, <laughs> quote unquote comedy. Stop sniffling. We know you have a nasal issue that desperately needs to be fixed, but it's not our problem. Fuck you. Be a professional. <laughs> the end. That was great. I love that. Thank you. My constant internal monologue that is very hateful, you know, just to water it down a little bit. Jarek, one star review. Yeah, do it. Always talks about feet. <laughs> That could be true of any of us. Takes too long to edit podcasts. Is too good at editing this podcast. Um, always makes this sound so amazing. Is so patient. That's my one-star review. Wow. A humble... <laughs> that was a humble brag. <laughs> yeah. But what negative things can you say about you, Jarek? You're crushing it. Thanks, thanks. Us, on the other hand, we deserve <laughs> to die and go to hell for our transgressions against the art of the podcast. I feel like including the background stuff like takes too long to edit, which by the way is not true at all. You turn the shit around fast. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you're very fast. I feel like that's not fair game for these reviews. If it had been, I would have said something like waits till the last second to book guests and then is disappointed when they can't do it at the drop of a hat. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's just like always too busy at listens to episode late. Uh, gets notes and titles out slow. I think we can all criticize our own work ethic in such a way that no one else here would agree with it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's always the thing when you talk about work ethic. Everyone's like, oh, you're, you're kicking ass. It's like, nope. Am I? Yeah. Am I? Don't feel it. Before we move on, folks, we have the title, Bad Review, Fuck You. What do you want that bit to be? Workshop it. Audience, do the heavy lifting for us, as always. I just come up with the good names. That's a good name. By the way, when I Google bad review, fuck you in quotes, the first thing that comes up is a Reddit thread. I'm done with vaping <laughs> from 2015. <laughs> anyway, yes, please continue. We could just do like a simple true or false slash, or is it Leighton or Brian? Do you mean it like a two truths and a lie kind of situation? Yes. I think we should immediately play two truths and a lie. That would be great. All right, I'm ready. Number one, the numbers just indicate the order in which I'm saying them, all right? Number one, I'm an angry drunk. Number two, I once wrote a very short opera entirely in Klingon. And number three, there is a small statue of me somewhere in Eastern Europe. Two is the lie. Yeah, so it was, I'm an angry drunk, Klingon opera, statue of me in Eastern Europe. I think the lie is the first one. The angry drunk? Yeah. And Leighton, you think the lie is the Klingon opera? I do, because it feels too painfully on brand for you. Okay, Jarek, what's your reason? Why you would be an angry drunk? I don't know, you just don't seem like the person. I think you are a nice drunk. Uh, you're both wrong. The lie is that there is a small statue of me somewhere in Eastern Europe. I just made that up. That's not true. Oh. Okay, but that one has to be true in some sort of degree. You have little 
figurines of yourself and shit in your home and at the grump's office. And Oh, okay. There's got to be someone in Europe who owns like a fucking Brian Weck Nenderoid or something. Okay, if we're extending statue to figurine, then sure, that's true. If we're going to get into fucking semantics. Okay, I guess technically that's... This is like when I was in acting class in high school and we did Two Truths and a Lie and then people would be like, uh, one of my stories is that I broke my arm by getting hit with a baseball bat. And then they're like, okay, which one was the lie? And it's like, it actually wasn't a baseball bat. It was a pipe. <laughs> that was intentional <laughs> deception on their part. This was not. Uh, I did write a short Klingon opera when I was in college for points in a trivia contest. Wow. What was the topic of the opera? I can't even remember. I just took a bunch of Klingon phrases and strung them together because I used to have the Klingon language tapes, conversational Klingon and power Klingon were the names of them and the Klingon to English dictionary. And for a while, this is probably when I was in my sophomore year, I made a very, very weak attempt at learning some of the language. Not because I was like a particularly huge Star Trek fan, but just because I thought it was cool. Which it, by the way, is not to do that, it turns out. How do you uh, conjugate a verb in Klingon? I remember nothing about this. Let's see, what words do I remember? I remember khadibach means animal. Khadibach kab means bad animal. Did you learn this just to talk to your dog? I learned it to impress fellow nerds, mostly. <laughs> and, and how'd that go? It didn't work. Shocking. The other, I'm an angry drunk. That is true in the sense when I get really drunk, I get very, very sarcastic and aggressive in a way that I think I'm being very, very funny. And everybody else around me gets <laughs> extremely upset and put off by my behavior. I remember one time when I was in my jam band in San Diego, we were playing a festival somewhere out in the fucking desert. So it was like bring a tent and camp out in the desert and then a bunch of jam bands are playing. And I got really, really drunk, which happens very rarely. I, I can't even remember the last time I got like real drunk. And we were trying to get people to sign up for our mailing list. So I walked around this camp of mellow stoners and people doing fucking nitrous balloons and stuff with our band sign-up list. And the next day found out that people were very upset with me because <laughs> I was extremely aggressive about getting people to sign up for this list. <laughs> Including, by the way, people in my own camp and band. <laughs> Especially you stumbling around brandishing a list. Being like, sign up for my list, idiot. Essentially. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And of course, in my mind, like, I didn't think I was being aggressive. I thought I was being sarcastic. I didn't black out. I've never blacked out from drinking. But I remember in my mind being like, this is really funny. People are going to think this is really funny. And people did not think it was really funny. Oh, as all drunks think. I am hilarious. Layton, you go next. Okay. Number one is that I am very briefly in an episode of Dawson's Creek. It was when I was a baby. I got to be the little, not prop baby, but you know, baby. My second one is that I met Robert Downey Jr. at a party when I was a teenager. And the third one is the first time that I went to medieval times as a child. Pretty much the first thing that happened is a camel spat directly into my face. Uh, I'm going to say <laughs> the lie is the medieval times. I'm going to go with the first one, that you're in Dawson's Creek. Okay, reasoning for both of you? I don't think they have camels at medieval times. Mm. Okay, Layton, how old are you again? I am 23. Okay, and Dawson's Creek, oh, you would have been a baby during that time, huh? I'm still going to roll with that. That's just what my intuition tells me. All right, Jarek, you were correct. Fuck! Oh, <laughs> that you weren't in Dawson's Creek. I was not. My dad did work on Dawson's Creek for pretty much the entire run, but I was... Indeed, not a baby in that show. 
And Brian, don't know what to tell you. There was definitely a fucking camel there. And that spit was right in my face. At medieval times? Yeah. I thought it was supposed to be in like Europe. I don't know what to tell you. Like I got spat in the face by a camel. (laughs) At medieval times. So there's one of two possibilities here. Either one, I'm wrong about camels in Europe in the medieval era. Or two, medieval times is not wholly accurate with its recreation of history. Are you telling me that people didn't choose a color and then get served (laughs) bad soup while they watch people fake joust? There's a famous line from The Cable Guy, directed by Ben Stiller, Matthew Broderick, Jim Carrey movie. Do you guys know this movie? I watched this like a few months ago, yeah. Yeah, so they're at medieval times and they're being served by Janine Garofalo. And one of them, I think Matthew Broderick, asks for a fork or something. And she goes, (laughs) there were no utensils in medieval times. Plus, there are no utensils at medieval times. Would you like a refill on that Pepsi? (laughs) (laughs) There are like pretty tight jokes in that movie. It's a funny movie. Yes. It's super enjoyable. It's great fun. 90s Jim Carrey is a delight to witness. And also, you push a couple of those scenes like a few inches further, and it's a straight up horror movie. Absolutely. I want the A24 horror remake of The Cable Guy. So what's the Robert Downey Jr. thing? My dad worked on Iron Man 3. I was huge into Marvel as a teenager. Like all my shirts were Marvel, blah, blah, blah. I ran like a Marvel fan blog on Tumblr. Don't want to talk about it. I want to talk about it now. (laughs) No, we're not going to. Okay. My dad brought me to the rap party for Iron Man 3, and I kept seeing Robert Downey Jr.'s, like, I'm assuming stunt doubles around, but I was, like, on RDJ watch. Mm -hmm. And we were getting ready to leave, and we saw a guy in a stupid hat and glasses, and we were like, oh, fuck, that's him. And then my dad, like a true homie, was like, hey, my daughter really wants to meet you. And he was so fucking nice. We talked for, like, a couple of minutes, and he was asking about like school and I said that I want to be an artist and he was like I bet you're a really good artist and like it was very very sweet um and then I went home and screamed at my tumblr friends about it for you know until like 3 a.m that's so great so how old were you at the time you were a teenager I was 16 and then later in the production he did like a private screening of cloud atlas that he invited people to Mm. so we got to go see uh cloud atlas with rdj he was very sweet he gave a bunch of people snacks oh that's good i'm glad he was nice that that makes me happy it was like very overwhelmingly wonderful and afterwards he was walking out of the theater because it was like a public theater and (laughs) some kid was like mom that's iron man and she was like no honey it's not (laughs) (laughs) that's great Rachel and I were watching WandaVision last night. Oh. How is it? It's not quite as amazing as everybody is making it out to be, but it was very good. I really liked it. The first two episodes are homages to Dick Van Dyke and Bewitched. So if you've ever seen those, it hits a lot harder than I would imagine if you haven't. But that was really good. I really liked it a lot. Although some of the reviews I were reading were rapturous in a way that did not seem fully deserved. But As always. Yeah, as always. Mm -hmm. But... The thing that occurred to me, I may have noticed this before, but I don't remember noticing it, is it really bothers me that in the Marvel Studios logo, all the letters in Marvel are connected to one another except the L. What are you, a graphic designer now? Look it up. Look at the Marvel Studios logo. Oh, that is annoying. Hmm. So the only thing I can think of is that if it would touch one place along the E, it would have to touch everywhere unless they were going to tilt it. Yeah. But then none of the letters in studios, I guess it's the standard Marvel logo. It is the standard Marvel logo. 
Why isn't the L touching part of the E? Because it's a standard, very vertical-looking font. They were like, no kerning except for the L. Also, let's say, theoretically, that they attach the L, they would have to change the proportions of the text to fit the box or make the box smaller. I don't Who cares? Who cares, Brian? Now, I care. Except for you. Because it bothers me that they established a pattern, and at the end, they were like, fuck you, we're done. <laughs> I mean, doesn't that seem appropriate for Marvel as a whole? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> like, all right, you're with us for the first five, and we've stopped trying. <laughs> Fuck you. Give us money. And now here's Ant-Man. <laughs> all right, Jarek, it's your turn. Two Truths and a Lie by Jarek Centeno. <laughs> <laughs> I am in the Joe Biden video that came out when it was announced he won the election. I did not meet Chum Lee in my local laundromat on Kauai. And I have flown tuna sandwiches onto my high school cafeteria roof. Who's Chum Lee? He is the guy from Pawn Stars. He's the guy that everybody picks on. You're saying that the statement is that you did not meet him at the laundromat. Correct. I think I'm going to pick that to be the lie purely based on phrasing. <sighs> yes. <laughs> Damn it. Based on that reaction, I will also pick number two. <laughs> Damn, that is the lie. You met Chum Lee? I met Chum Lee at my local laundromat on Kauai. When I was back home from college, I think my friend Gino texted me a picture. Chum Lee took a selfie and like in the Instagram picture, you could see our laundromat's reflection in his sunglasses. He seems maybe not super smart. Yeah. Did he evaluate your laundry? <laughs> no. I don't even know why he was doing laundry there. Wait, you're in the Joe Biden, like, victory video? Yeah, this was a uh, buried lead. Yes. My friend Bia, she has, like, connections to the Kamala Harris, Joe Biden campaign mm -hmm. production team. And she shot the L.A. versions of, like, all these people. Mm -hmm. And she asked me to be one of the subjects. It was that video of everybody's, like, holding that golden frame. <laughs> and I was in there for literally one frame. Throw a link in. Wait, if I just Google Joe Biden victory? Oh, it just says fake. <laughs> Oh, that was a trap that you just stumbled right into. Get ready to get some weird fucking targeted ads. Did you guys ever do the thing where, like, you got to specifically open up a uh, incognito window to search certain things so that YouTube isn't like, oh, are you primed to be radicalized? Oh, yeah. A fucking weird thing came up on my YouTube last night. It was backyard brawls. <laughs> Might have been, like, North or South Carolina where these guys just set up a bullpen ring for people to fight in. So YouTube just pegged you as like, this man wants to watch some fucking fights. <laughs> yes, here's that YouTube thing that came up. Street beefs. Street beefs! Ooh, I <laughs> love that. I'm very excited about street beefs. The one I watched last night, the reigning champion, his name is Baby Hulk. I feel like I've heard of that. Oh my God, this is a hugely popular channel. Two million subs. Okay, so here's a question. Were you to be entered into a street beefs and you get to choose a celebrity who you are fighting, who do you think you could reasonably kick the shit out of? Which current celebrity do you think I could beat up? Yeah, like you would not have a problem winning. I was going to say Maggie Smith. Who's Maggie Smith? She's uh, Professor McGonagall from the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's devastating. I mean, it's true. I mean, yeah. Okay, so changing it. Nobody who's, like, old. Define old and be careful. <laughs> <laughs> like, like past 60. Okay, thank you. Can I propose a slight modification of this? Yeah, fine. How about a celebrity that most people wouldn't think you could beat up? 
but you think you could get them. Okay, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And I was going to make the caveat that you can't pick somebody who you would want to beat up because they suck. I like that, yes. Dang it, okay. Yeah, I know, because a long, 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 long list came to uh, mind. I have my answer. Yes, go. Paul Dana. Yeah. You know. he's, he's so good at getting the shit kicked out of him. Uh-huh. There are compilations on YouTube. I could do it. And I would enjoy it. And I'd be like, love your work. I'm going to say Colin Jost. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him, generally speaking. I feel like I would fight dirty and he would fight clean. I feel like if I got one good punch in, he'd also give up. Street beefs. Jost versus Wecht. Jarek, who's your street beef? Ben Affleck. What? You think you could beat up Ben Affleck? Yes. There were like recent pictures of him getting coffee outside of his apartment. <laughs> yes, I've seen these, of course. Yes. <laughs> he looks so bad. I could take him, dude. He doesn't look good now, but he's a he was Batman. He's like a buff guy at one point, right? You are significantly younger and I'm sure faster. Yes. You know what? Okay, I'm coming around on this. You would be like a little velociraptor. The, the, <laughs> the dexterity, the spryness, the willingness to prove yourself. Like he's proved himself. He just wants to drink four Dunkin' Donuts iced coffees. <laughs> And also, Anna Diarmas just broke up with him, so he's probably really depressed. Oh, that's a good point. Yep. I was about to bring that up, but I didn't want to kick him while he was down. Unlike Jarek. <laughs> I'll take it. I was going to say Nathan Fielder, but I think I would destroy him. I feel like everyone could beat up Nathan Fielder. It would feel wrong. Flip side of the question is, who is someone that you know would kick the shit out of you, but you would be able to wear that as a badge of pride? Jaleel White. All right. That's a natural answer, I guess. He's been through a lot, and I think he would be vicious. He's probably like a total sweetheart of a guy. I don't know anything about him personally. Not anymore that you've expressed a desire to fight him. (laughs) I feel like a Maggie Smith or a Betty White, like somebody where it's like, yeah, she throws down. It was an honor. Mm -hmm. Didn't Betty White just turn 99? Did she really? It's like her birthday today or yesterday. Also, fun fact, did you know she's older than sliced bread? (laughs) I didn't. That's interesting. Wow. So she isn't the best thing since sliced bread. (laughs) Do you know who could definitely beat me up and I'd be upset about it is Seth MacFarlane. (laughs) Yeah. Like no question. Yeah. Would you be upset if Seth Rogen could beat you up? A, no, but B, impossible. (laughs) I feel like it would sort of like be half jokey. Yeah. I think we'd give up halfway through and go hang out. He's just so endeared by your bloody nose. He's like, (laughs) you're cool. Besides, he just made a whole movie about how soft he is. The American pickle. This is true. Do you know the conceit? No. He's basically like a modern Jewish guy. And one of his relatives from like 100 years ago or whatever gets brined in pickle juice and just, you know, basically shows up 100 years later and is shocked at how soft and effete his descendant has become when this guy was like toiling every day and working real hard and just scraping to get by. And his now descendant is like on a computer all day and can't do any housework. Vibes, yeah. Oh God, to be pickled in brine <laughs> is all I want. I wouldn't mind if Ed Helms beat me up. Oh, he definitely could too. He's got the height, he's got the length. Seems like a scrapper. Oh yeah, totally. He doesn't seem very strong, but I feel like he has a strong will. Beautiful, so now we have a perfect bracket. Great, why don't we move on to segments? It's weird because we're not approaching the two-hour mark before saying, hey, we should do some segments, but... I think this might be the record for earliest introduction, and it's really thrown me off (laughs) that we weren't bullshitting for 45 minutes before being like, oh, yeah, I guess people are listening to this. I agree with that. I feel like we've all been a little low energy this week, but that's fine. 
Yeah. A little bit. I wonder why. I want to run something by the two of you. It's not a bit. I'm not doing a bit. This is a discussion. I'm strongly considering retiring the what's popping bit because as much as I love to do it, and I'm not saying I don't love to do it, it's starting to feel like a burden, like an obligation in a way that is less fun for me than it used to be. And I'm curious what both of your takes on that are. I think you made your bed and now you need to lie in it. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear, what you're saying, Layden, is you want me to continue doing this bit. To be very, very clear. Well, Brian, I have a rebuttal for you that, let me tell you now, it is going to be the best argument against why you should or should not consider ending the what's poppin' bit. Okay. I think you're going to be really impressed with my abilities of deduction and um, reasoning, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me. I know Jarek's already on my side with this, and um, now I'm going to tell you what my argument is. I thought this is where this was going, and I'm very pleased it is. Yeah, that's how it fucking feels, Brian. I just want to say that was an amazing argument. I completely agree with all of it. And what can I say? You're right. Didn't you do a poll and haven't the people spoken? I did. They do like it. I think we should give what the people want. But as the person who produces and edits this, I'm always (laughs) 50-50. And sometimes I'm tempted to just cut it out. That would be the ultimate move if you randomly decided to keep it or not any given week. That would be a whole extra level of fuck you. Well, so I think I suggested this a while ago of turning it so it's less of an impetus on the guest and more of an impetus on the listener. Every once in a while, you play it. Sometimes you don't play it. Sometimes you do play it. And then it's a matter of what is real. It's very um, Lynchian. I do like that idea. It's meta media. Part of the consideration too is that at least the last few episodes have been real long, as you know, Jarek, because you edit them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of ways to cut that down a little bit because I don't want you to have to deal with a two and a half hour fucking recording session every week (laughs) and the 25 minute build up to the non-existent what's popping theme may be contributing slightly to the length of the episodes. What if each week my suggestion involves you doing more work, you write a 15 second fucking awful theme song that the audience also hears, that the guest hears, that they need to politely react to. And I do the same buildup. Same buildup. And then it's just like very discordant fumblings. I really like that, especially if the guest is someone I want to impress. <laughs> <laughs> or like a really high-pitched whine for 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> like a brown note. Tell me what you thought. I worked really hard on this. You know what? Next time we have a guest, I will do that. And we could make it a Patreon mini-sode where we make a, just a big batch of terrible ones. Yeah, I like it. This one I should do by myself. So you can't hear them ahead of time. So you can react to them. I think that'll be more fun. Yeah, okay. All right. Did you just eat something? No, I I just made a sound with my tongue. I need to get some water. Excuse me. Here, do you want me to make some mouth sounds in the (laughs) mic for a little bit? Please leave. Please go get your water. Oh, oh. And this. What if as this was happening, we suddenly hear like, hey guys, I'm back. And, uh... This is not Brian. This is the ghost of Brian haunting Brian's garage. And listeners, that's what it's like to kiss me. Fabulous. So this extremely high energy segment after this meta conversation about the status of the podcast is called What's Poppin'? And this is what the theme song sounds like. Brian, go fuck yourself. What's Poppin'? 
what's popping. I need a thing to get performatively angry about is the thing. It really hits that. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) It's that 75% mark of the podcast where my energy is waning, which on this one, we started from that point, but like my energy is waiting and, you know, I got to get recreational hatred in, you know, and you are just an easy target. Layton, what's popping? What's popping for me is a man by the name of Thomas Ligotti. Are either of you familiar with him? No. Mm -mm. He is a very influential classic, like surreal horror writer who I've been meaning to read his stuff for a long time and only this week because I'm trying to read more, like turning off my phone and reading just because that feels better for my brain. And I've been reading so many bad horror collections and stories that they just make me angry. And so reading Thomas Ligotti is like a fucking breath of fresh air. The collection that I'm reading right now is a combination of Songs of a Dead Dreamer and Grim Scribe. Every single one of the stories fucking hits. They are so good. Um, His prose is amazing. The horror is genuinely unsettling and creepy. Like, if you're fans of horror literature at all, it's like mandatory reading, honestly. It's so good. After I finish this book, I'm just going to read everything he's ever written. And also, some of the best writing advice I have ever read is also in that collection. Like he's like, all right, here's how you structure horror. And I'm going to do this story in three different styles. I'm going to do realistic. I'm going to do gothic. And then I'm going to do experimental and then do the synthesis of combining all of them. You know, it works best when you're not putting yourself in a box. Anyway, Thomas Ligotti, check it out. That sounds great. I have the street beefs tab open now. The names of the fighters on this are country hoodlum, baby Hulk, gorilla, saber tooth. It's like these totally jacked dudes. Do you ever see a world in which you are just completely jacked? Bodybuilder jacked? No. It just feels like, A, I don't even know if I could do it at this point. Maybe not completely jacked, but like muscular. What are you saying? (laughs) You draw your own (laughs) conclusions, Brian. I keep it real. No, I don't think so. Actually, for a few years, I was doing a lot of like powerlifting, like squats and bench press and that sort of stuff, but never with the idea of getting like jacked, just with the idea of building strength. A, it seems like a tremendous amount of work to even get to the point where you look like that briefly. And B, I don't care about it as long as I'm healthy. It would be really, really funny if there was some NSP video where Ninja Brian takes off his shirt. He's just like, oh, just muscles everywhere. To get to that point, I would rather hire someone to do that and just put on a mask for a minute rather than spend probably a year getting into that kind of shape. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're not committed to the Rob McElhenney body transformation. That's a good analogy. It just seems so hard, right? Well, like, and he did a couple of Instagram posts that were like, this is constant, intense work that you should not compare yourself to because this is just like round the clock bullshit I got to do. Yeah, and you can't eat what you want and it, ugh, many hours a day of working out. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a stick. You could break my arm with a strong breeze, but I was boxing and working with a trainer like three times a week for a while. I was getting a little muscle and uh, honestly, not worth it. Yeah. If you look at pictures of me from right before we moved to LA and pictures of me now, I definitely have bulked up a bunch muscle wise, but not in a way where it's like, I mean, I am in no stretch of the term jacked, but I am thicker now than I used to be. And it's not just from fat. Like I'm more muscular than I was six years ago. And I think it's because I started doing that lifting and then just kind of became that. I would not ever use the word Jack. That would be a gross abuse of that term. All right, everybody, Photoshop Ryan's head onto- uh, Onto the rock or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But specifically that picture where he's like in a turtleneck and a gold chain with a fanny pack. Classic. 
Brian, what's popping? What's popping for me is the 1992 Man of War song, Metal Warriors. And <laughs> I will read the lyrics to you. Every one of us has heard the call. Brothers of true metal, proud and standing tall. We, we know the power within us has brought us to this hall. There's magic in the metal. There's magic in us all. Heavy metal or no metal at all. Wimps and posers, leave the hall. <laughs> that was beautiful. That's Psalms 24.6, right? Yeah, it's from the Bible. <laughs> it is exactly what you imagine when you hear those lyrics. It's that kind of metal, loud metal singing. It's not like 80s metal kind of stuff. These guys were a pretty well-known metal band. And this is not a genre I know a lot about, but it's like a, this may make someone mad, a second tier metal band, but they're famous. They're well-known. And this song, there's just something so funny to me about wimps and posers leave the hall because not only is the assumption here that they're playing in some kind of medieval hall, <laughs> kicking out all the wimps and posers who don't love metal. Oh, it's amazing. Love it. I love a very specific what's poppin'. Yep. It's not even the rest of the album. The first track of which is called Achilles, Agony and Ecstasy in Eight Parts. Woof. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to read the rest. This is on the album, The Triumph of Steel. I have not listened to anything else on this album. The other tracks are called Ride the Dragon, Spirit Horse of the Cherokee. Oh, no. Burning, The Power of Thy Sword, The Demon's Whip, and Master of the Wind. Yes. Master of the Wind. Yeah. I fuck with that. I'm going to throw a link to this video. Here, listen to this. So wait, how did this song cross your path? Holy shit, looking up pictures of Man of War, that was worth it. Oh my God, the vibes. I've loved this song for years because it's so ridiculous. Every one of us has heard the call. This is exactly what I imagined. I know. Brothers of true metal. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Pretty great, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm with you. This is my what's poppin' now. Uh, I'm going to listen to this when we're done. Mm. It's pretty awesome. We play Audrey a lot of music. After every song we play, we're like, so what do you think about that if it's something new? And she's like, I love it. I played this for her this morning. I said, what do you think? And she said, I don't like that. Oh, <laughs> oh Audrey isn't metal. She's, she's the poser who's going to have to leave the hall. I know. <laughs> so we went back to listening to Owl City. <laughs> and you threw her out of the house. It was really sad. Jarek, what's popping? I've got three things, and they're all three great things, so I really have to share them all. So yeah, sit tight. So one is listener Agony Grant started a podcast called Creme de la Creator. Really? Yeah, he did. Him and his buddy Jake. It's cool. It's some great like half an hour bites. They kind of just go over their favorite content creators. And I think the great thing that they're bringing up is they're bringing up all these online people who kind of talk about like mental health stuff which I think is great. Yeah, it's great. They're kind of a vestibule for compiling all these creators and especially like mental health kind of gurus, which I think is awesome because people don't have to go their own routes. They can just listen to Agony Grant's podcast. That's lovely. Yeah. My second one is I watched How To with John Wilson. Oh, yes. And? Oh, my God. Is it great? I've heard people say it's really good. It's produced by Nathan Fielder, so. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. I'm in. Can I spoil an episode? Of course. Please don't. I want to see this. I've been meaning to see it. Dude. Okay. Brian, take off your headphones and let Jarek spoil it. 
You know what? Fine. I'm taking my headphones off. I'm not listening. Jarek, when you're ready, scream so Brian can hear it. Scream now to see if I can hear it. Ah. Louder. I couldn't <laughs> hear it. Ah. Louder. I'm not. No, that wasn't it. Ah. Wait, hold on. Let me take off my headphones. Ah. <laughs> now I can hear it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <sighs> All right. I don't have my headphones on, but okay. presumably you can still hear me. Okay. So there's this... Are you guys talking? <laughs> yeah, we're talking. Um, Are you talking about the show? <laughs> <laughs> Brian, fuck off! <laughs> Jared, please continue. So there's well, a... Scream when you're done. Are you guys talking right now? <laughs> oh, my... <laughs> okay. There is an episode of How To With John Wilson. I can hear everything you're saying. Oh, my... Just kidding. <laughs> Oh my god. This is like worse than this the what's poppin' bit. This is worse than what's poppin'. Oh, I thought you agree with me. Jarek, do it. Come on, you gotta be quick. Okay, so there's an episode. There's a guy who makes this device called the TLC Tuggers, and it helps you grow your foreskin back. <laughs> and just out of nowhere, the creator of this device, he just pulls his pants down and just shows you how to like attach this thing to your penis. So that over time, <laughs> it stretches your foreskin out. Foreskin trainer. Okay. Exactly. And the funny thing is I looked up the website. It takes about 42 months to like fully grow your <laughs> foreskin back. And there's this like device, this like pulley device where you like have to sleep with it. And it's like attached to your wall and it stretches your fall. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, but what are the medical benefits of elongating your foreskin? Well... People think that your orgasms are better, that sexual intercourse is better with foreskin. I was confused about what you were referring to in regards to... Can I come back yet? Should we let Brian back? Yeah, scream. Ah! But don't tell him what we were talking about. Okay. Are you ready for me? Yeah, so I'm going to repeat the question for you, Jarek. I haven't heard anyone scream, so I'm not putting on the headphones yet. Oh, my God. (laughs) Brian, hello. Ah! Make sure to scream. If you want me to come back, please scream. (laughs) I can't hear anything. (gasps) Yeah, just kidding. I've had the headphones on for about 30 seconds. I'm going to kill you. So did you hear anything about that how-to with John Wilson episode? No. Have you not started talking about it yet? Oh, no. I spoke about it. We were busy talking about um, foreskin. Great. I'm I'm waiting for a message from my neighbor. (laughs) That was a great scream. I was very impressed. It was a full embodiment of my own frustration with you. (laughs) Brian, what do you know about foreskin, by the way? What are your thoughts on foreskin? I mean, just the usual thing. They taste weird. (laughs) You know, they're real, real stretchy. You can pretty much fit your whole thumb in one. Uh, I'm pretty sure most people have three or four, and you kind of alternate based on mood. (laughs) It's the usual stuff you learn in school. Yeah, that wasn't two truths and a lie. That was just all truths. Yeah, that's what I do. Why were you talking about foreskins? Don't worry about it. Okay, great. You'll see when you watch How To with John Wilson. Cool. Oh, my last one is I am ripping through Lovecraft Country. Mm. And how is it? I've heard mixed things. I personally love it. It can get like pretty fucked up, gory-wise. It takes place in like the 40s, 50s, where like segregation and Jim Crow are kind of still going on. And it's showing like the plight of African-Americans back in the day, mixed in with magic and sci-fi. That's fun. So I actually got up to the last episode, watched 10 minutes of it, fell asleep, Rachel finished it, and then I keep forgetting to go back and finish it. 
So I watched the whole thing, whatever was on, and then never finished the season. One of my favorite things is I had to toggle between turning on captions and they'll put the names of the needle drops, the names of the songs and who is by. And so Jimmy Lavelle, he had a song from his band called The Album Leaf. Oh, nice. And he had a song on like the opening whenever they're in the church. So that's his song. So all these people have like their song names, like this by this. And then his was just ethereal music. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, poor guy. I told him he just laughed about it. So That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's a solid show. I can't say I was like totally in love with it. I like a lot of the individual actors. Michael K. Williams is just amazing in everything he does. But it didn't completely hang together hmm. for me. But... Also, I recognize, you know, there's a lot of references and stuff that are being lost on me because they're from parts of black culture that I don't know. So part of my not hanging together for me may literally be just that I'm not picking up on subtext that a more, you know, aware person might. Yeah, there's lots of subtext. I do like one of the last episodes I watched, it was like primarily in Korean. Yes, that was a really good one. I like that one a lot. Interesting. And it kind of just shows like how diverse they're going with the show, so... Yeah, it's definitely cool. It looks cool. Did you get to the like the portal one? Mm-hmm. That was the one I watched last night. That one was like super sci-fi. Super sci-fi, which I really liked a lot too. Yeah. There was a bunch of stuff in it too where I felt like it was sort of unclear. Like I felt like they could have been more careful about time and place stuff. Mm. Like the continuity, like literally just how the story got from point A to point B. A few times I was like, what? Like where they go to the museum. Yeah. They start in Chicago, but they would get out in Boston or something. Yep. And I was just like, how? Is that supposed to be magic? You know, so there are a bunch of things where I, I was confused about what the story was supposed to be doing and also what was supposed to be magic versus, you know, just was kind of sloppy writing. Oh. Uh, ain't that Lovecraft though? <laughs> yeah. Well, they drive to the museum in Chicago with Hippolyta, who is Atticus's auntie. Yeah. And then that like tunnel that they take to whatever vault, Letty's elevator goes down into that same tunnel that the vault is in where they get the pages of Adam. Yes. But then they're like back home or something. Right. Because that tunnel from the museum in Boston, the tunnel that goes to the vault, it's the same tunnel that also spawns off into Letty's elevator. So how do they get back there so quickly? Just magic? No, because they're following the tunnel. At the end of the tunnel is the vault. And then like right by the end of the vault is that elevator that goes up back into her house. So they got from Boston to Chicago by walking through a tunnel? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which should take weeks. <laughs> Brian, it's magic. Yeah. It's magic. Yeah. Thank you. It's magic. It's magic. Also, Atticus, I can't remember the actor, but... Could they put that guy in tighter shirts? <laughs> like, everything he wears is this, like, just hug. I mean, the dude is completely ripped. And everything they put him in is just, like, this, you know, skin-tight shirt. It got to a point where I was like, look, I know this guy is muscular. It's just distracting right now. This is further casting into light and all this discussion of street beefs and, you know, you never getting jacked. I feel like I sense a little bit of envy here. Oh, wasn't that just the attire of like the 40s, 50s, where everything was like super slim fitting? I'm sure that's partly it. I mean, clearly they're working within the period and what people were wearing. But also, not everybody was filling out their shirts in quite the way that guy is. I mean, not everybody in the 40s was ripped. <laughs> well, we've arrived after a long, slow walk to 
the final segment, which is peaches and lemons, which both of you know what it is because we've said it on every episode for 48 episodes. Peaches and lemons, it's gratitude exercise. A lemon is a thing that sucks. Peaches are things that don't suck. Who would like to start with a lemon? I could start with a lemon. I went grocery shopping the other day. And I fucking bought, like, in the frozen section, pad thai, which I thought they would give you the option of, you know how you could just, like, warm up noodles with, like, boiling water and shit? No, it doesn't give you the option to do that. The only way to warm this shit up is by microwave. And I do not own a fucking microwave. So because everything's mixed in, that's why you can't do it? Yeah, everything's mixed in. Couldn't you feasibly, like, put it in a pan? I could, yeah. I was just going off what they're telling me to do when they're they're clearly telling me to just put it in a microwave so, and I don't have a microwave. Jarek, I think you grew this lemon yourself. <laughs> you watered this lemon. Yes. You you have a heat source available to you, correct? Correct. Do you not own a microwave for any principled reason or you just don't have one? I just don't have one. I guess, isn't it principled reason that like microwaves are just bad, generally speaking? I don't really know a lot about this, but what do microwaves do? Radiation excites water molecules. That's it. So I understand that some people are anti-microwave, and I don't think there's any like medical good reason to be anti-microwave. It's certainly a fine preference. Like, who cares? If you don't like a microwave, that's fine. But I don't think there's any scientific reason to not eat microwave food. As a lazy person with clinical depression, I'm a microwave apologist. My microwave's my homie. It's loud as fuck because it's broken, but does the job. Were you going to say you didn't grow up with a microwave, Jerk? People in Hawaii have microwaves, Brian. <laughs> I'm aware of that. Thank you. It's it's part of America and part of the first world countries. It's also possible your house just didn't have a microwave for whatever reason, right? I know people that don't have microwaves, like fucking you. <laughs> there was some phantom in that you. Holy shit. Where, where I was going with this was, I remember there was a thing that pregnant women shouldn't stand in front of the microwave when it's microwaving. Well, that's true because it microwaves the baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Maybe your baby comes out all hot. <laughs> <laughs> no, if pregnant women shouldn't stand in front of a microwave, near should anyone else. They put a grate there. You know, it's a metal grate, which has holes in it, and the waves don't come through that. Like, it absorbs all the microwaves in the microwave. Mm. So, for whatever it's made out of, probably not metal because that would break the microwave, but... I think as long as you're not putting aluminum foil, metal, or a can of bug spray inside a microwave, I think you're probably fine. Who the fuck is putting cans of bug spray in microwaves, Layton? I read a book as a child that maybe I dreamed this, but a kid was really mad about his dog dying, and so he put a can of bug spray in the microwave of a hardware store and blew up the hardware store. What? Wow. If anybody knows what book I'm talking about, I have no idea what it was called. That's crazy. But yeah, that's stuck in my brain for, uh, you know, over 15 years or whatever. Yeah, actually, let me try that right now and see if there's <laughs> any veracity to that. I have some bug spray. Well, I'm sorry about your pad thai, Jared. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my lemon is the inexorable march forward of the passing of time. Oh, it's fucking me up real bad lately. Like I blink and it's two weeks later. I think this might have been my lemon before, but as I will reiterate, time is fake and also a flat circle. So my lemon is the concept of time. Fuck you, time. Don't need you. Speaking of flat, 
our flat earth friend slid into the late in night DMs. I saw that! I got a DM on my Instagram, my personal Instagram. Me too. He tagged it to both of you in the late in night podcast. Mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. It's so, so bad. It's so tempting, though. It's so tempting. and It would be a terrible idea, and we shouldn't do it, but it is extremely, in my mind's eye, just so tempting. It would be very upsetting if we gave a platform to someone who believed in stuff like the earth is flat or microwaves can harm pregnant women. (laughs) (laughs) A veteran of Infowars and all the other dangerous grifters. Totally great fit for the show. That raises the question, are they just cold calling like every podcast? They've worked their way down to us. (laughs) Yeah, they've gone down the chartable and they've gotten to about number 564 and they're like, well, this seems like a good fit. We make content that ruins people's lives online. Why not? Number 23 on bad comedy interviews in Poland. Great. Oh, fabulous. (laughs) Brian, what's your lemon? My lemon is that we were making beer bread in the oven earlier today, which involves (laughs) melting a stick of butter and literally pouring it on top of the batter and the butter spilled out over the top of the pan as the bread was baking, filled the oven, started burning. And then the entire house for about two hours, it set off all of our smoke alarms at once. And the entire house for whatever fucking reason smelled like burning plastic. And it was very unpleasant. It was like visibly smoky, probably the smokiest anything we've ever made has ever been. And Audrey, of course, had a field day with asking lots of questions about, is something burning? What's that burning? Should it be burning? Should I be in the house now? Why do I have to go outside? Can I come back in now? Why does it smell like that? Why does it still smell like that? Can I go outside? Can I come inside? Can I have my soup? You know, and it was just like, honey, shush, we're dealing with this. Please just go out, go play outside while we deal with this. Can I come in now? Is it time for me to come in? My throat hurts. My foot hurts. I hurt my toe kicking the door. You know, it's just like, okay, honey, please, please just go outside. Just go outside and play. It is stressful enough being a single person in an apartment. When that happens, having only two fire alarms, so I cannot imagine that with also (laughs) a small child. Oh, imagine that with a small child and a dog with PTSD, who then, as soon as she hears a loud, high-pitched noise, tries to burrow into Rachel. (laughs) This 75-pound dog, R.I.P. Coco, would try to meld her body with Rachel's (laughs) when any smoke alarm went off. This poor, large, stupid dog would just immediately find Rachel and (laughs) smush against her, trying to be absorbed. And then the kid is talking and the house smells like smoke. And, but the thing is the bread came out great. Like the bread really was awesome. That's the good part. The bad part is that the house filled with smoke. Well, there we go. That's lemons. Hey, it's peach time, baby. I will roll right into my peaches. Do it. My number one peach is that by the time this comes out, we will have a new president. I don't want to mention any names, but fuck that other guy. Well, fuck that other guy and fuck that other guy and fuck that other guy and fuck that other guy times infinity. Yeah, that applies to about a thousand people. Uh, More than that. Fuck that other lady. Fuck all of them. Gee, I sure hope that this comes out on Friday and like shit is chill. (laughs) Yes, I do hope that. I am optimistic, honestly. There might be some bullshit. If I had to place bets right now, I think things are going to be pretty smooth. There's going to be some assholes pulling bullshit and someone's going to do something stupid. Probably a bunch of people are going to get arrested. Someone might get hurt, but I don't think it's going to be a massive, massive thing. Could be wrong. Hope I'm right. Next peach, we got a new calendar for the house. Hey. Baby Bunnies 2021. 
<laughs> and Audrey really likes it, and they're a bunch of cute little bunnies. So, what's the bunny for this month? It's a tiny little, like light brown, floppy-eared motherfucker. <laughs> Beautiful. Real cute. Yep. I'm sure all the bunnies whose pictures were taken for this camera are dead as well, ah. because I don't think they live very long. But they were cute when the pictures were taken. I think bunnies live a while. But I won't argue with you, the bunny expert. Probably not when they're treated badly by photographers. We didn't tell Audrey about that. All right, third peach that doesn't involve animal abuse. You know what? Fine. We can cut that part out if you must. Look, everybody. No, I'm asking for your third peach. No, no, I just want to say I just got an email from the calendar manufacturer. It said the bunnies are fine. (laughs) They're all alive and they're married or whatever. (laughs) Uh, My third peach is that it was a peach last week. It's a peach this week. I did the MIT mystery hunt, the puzzle solving extravaganza this weekend, and it was the best as part of the hunt. The team that ran it built a virtual MIT campus, kind of like an MMO. And you get to walk around with your little avatar. Jory played and was texting me during as well. (gasps) Really? Yep. And it was really fun. My team, which is not a big team, solved about 70 puzzles and we had a great time and I got to catch up with old friends and meet some new ones, and I loved it. So good general nerdery, and I had a great weekend. Huh, that's sweet. Jarek, what you got? I was not prepared for this. I can go. It's our first time doing it, so I can understand why you weren't (laughs) prepared. (laughs) (laughs) My first peach is uh, this weekend I spent, as mentioned, a lot of it with my phone off, sitting on my balcony, drinking coffee, dunking cookies in my coffee, reading a book, took a little nap. I'll take the nice shit where I can get it. That is a peach. Just unbothered, consumed in tentacles and teeth and the void and nightmares procured by Thomas Ligotti. Thank you, Thomas Ligotti. Big old shout out. Number two is another book that I read because I read like three books this weekend. Um, Paradise Rot by Jenny Haval. It's H-V-A-L. I don't know how to say that shit, but anytime I find like queer horror writers who are obsessed with fungus and shit going wrong, very excited. Highly recommend that book, but it just brings me joy to find good female queer horror writers. It's validating. And then my third peach is I bought a really large jar of full-sized pickles and I get to have my pickle treat and drink the brine, which I straight up will pour into a whiskey glass and sip gently. Lovely. Excellent. Jarek. My first peach is I just got a Nutribullet. Ooh. Is that a blender? Yeah. Nice. I think my sister got it for me or I have to pay her back. I'm not sure what the what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> my second peach is I got a pour over. Oh. Like for coffee. Nice. That was like my Christmas present from my sister. It was like this whole like pour over set. She bought me a little scale. And a fancy pour over. Dope. Also, my French press broke. So I am over three in saving French presses from breaking. How do you break a French press? I mean, I find if you just stomp on them, that breaks them pretty good. <laughs> if you're really looking for advice. Yeah, you just got to press a little too hard. <laughs> I guess the way I wash dishes is just like I lift up sometimes and I fucking hit like my faucet. So that ends up breaking it. I remember I broke one of my French presses and I had like a gash in my hand. Mm. And I worked in retail at this store called Express in Fashion Valley, San Diego. Oh, I know Fashion Valley. Coolest place on earth. I called my manager like, hey, yo, I'm going to be late. I cut my hand and it's bleeding pretty bad. And my manager's like, just put a Band-Aid on. Come as soon as you can. (laughs) So (laughs) thanks for the sensitivity, Kimmy. (laughs) I think that's the episode title. (laughs) Thanks for the sensitivity, Kimmy. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's scathing. And my third peach, I'll give like a really nice heartwarming one. Ooh. I have been getting closer with my sister. Nice. A lot of it too is bonding over the demise of this current administration. Yes. Just saying how much of like a shit show it is and agreeing on a lot of things that I didn't think we would agree about politically and civil e. So yeah, been getting closer with my sister. That's my third peach. That's awesome. Well, this was a nice little very chill episode. I'm glad we could all get together and do this. Yeah. This is late night on Xanax. Not really, but you know, the podcast itself. This is a good one to fall asleep to. Yes. Except the part where we were screaming. Since it is Monday, today's a holiday. This morning, Audrey wished me a happy King Martin day. Which oh. <laughs> and a happy King Martin day to us all. So we're talking about Martin Luther King and they were talking about him in school too and civil rights and all this stuff that happened in the 60s. So we had talked about that and racism and, and that sort of stuff. I said, well, you know, Henry, there are a lot of countries also on earth where most people aren't white. There are a lot of countries out there where most people have dark skin. And then she went, good. So then they can be mean to the white people. <laughs> and I was like, okay, wrong lesson. <laughs> it's just the way kids' brains work. It's like, okay, well, look, if the white people in this country have been mean to the dark-skinned people, then it's only fair. And so I was trying to explain, no, everyone should be nice to everybody, okay? That's the goal, is to have everybody be nice to everybody. Audrey invented uh, reverse racism, a thing that was not a thing prior. Yeah, it was just immediately where her brain went. Folks listening to the show, hope you enjoyed us not knowing what we were talking about and failed bits and foreskin discussions and screaming. Take care of yourselves. Hopefully everything is good when this episode drops. It is nice and fun and everyone's having a good time. Stay safe and come especially hard now that we have a new president. I feel like it's just going to increase everybody's enjoyment of the coming. So let's do some of the Biden comes hashtag Biden comes. Yeah, I guess we'll do some hashtag Biden comes. This is the end of the pot. Wait, wait, Kamala Harris. Huh? Oh, no, oh. absolutely not. <laughs> we need to end this podcast right now. <laughs> bye. All right. Bye. Hashtag Biden comes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Late Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and your boy, Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com. <laughs>